Did you know a 2018 study showed half of prenatal vitamins tested had unacceptable levels of heavy metals? I'm Kat, mother of three and founder of Ritual. When I was four months pregnant, I couldn't find a prenatal I could trust, so I created my own. Ours is made traceable, third-party tested for heavy metals, and recently earned the Purity Award from the Clean Label Project. But don't just take my word for it. Get 25% off at virtual.com slash podcast. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Happy Monday, football fans, and welcome into another edition of the Chase Podcast. I'm Isaac Signs, and I thank you for joining me. In today's episode, I recap wildcard weekend and discuss the top performers from each team. The Colts won their fifth consecutive game to upset the number three seed Texans in Houston on Saturday. Head coach Frank Reich complimented his team for dominating in all three phases of the game. In playoff football, how do you win games? You dominate up front! That's playoff football! In playoff football, it's complimentary! We hang with each other when you're always going great in the first half. We're going, man. And when we needed help in the second half, the D shuts them down. The special teams is rocking the whole game. That's the way you win playoff football. On the road. Good job, man. The Cowboys fended off the Seahawks to notch their third playoff victory since 1996, thanks to a gritty performance from Dak Prescott. Ezekiel Elliott credited Prescott for his resiliency to come through when they needed him the most. Legendary. He came out there and made plays when we needed him, uh, especially in the running game. I mean, whenever you see a quarterback run like that and break tackles, he's done it a couple times this year. Uh, it really, it really is tough for that defense. Um, so, I mean, that came out there and uh, he, he played his tail off today. The Chargers avenged their Week 16 loss and defeated the Ravens to keep their Super Bowl aspirations alive. Melvin Gordon knows they put together a sloppy performance, but noted their ability to execute in crunch time. You know what? We did what we needed to do. Um, We didn't convert uh, in the red zone like we should as an offense, Um, but we did when it counted. That's why we got a good kicker and we got a solid defense. They came out and played lights out today, and they helped us. So we got the job done, and we scored enough points to win. That's all that matters. The legend of Nick Foles continues on after the Eagles' stunning upset over the Bears on Sunday. Doug Peterson expressed his satisfaction with the way his team battled in a hostile environment. You're built for this little run we're about to go on. That's a special win right there. Special win, okay? On the road, hostile environment against a good football team. Okay, and we hung in there. Wasn't pretty at times, but we hung in there. I will discuss all that and more coming up in the latest episode of the Chase Podcast. 
Seventh here on the Chase Podcast. Isaac signs with you here for a wild card recap. Plenty to get into. Some really good matchups over the weekend on Saturday and Sunday. We're already entering the divisional round. Coming up, we have two games on Saturday, two games on Sunday. So replicating the same game schedule as this past weekend. We had the Colts and Texans on Saturday, and boy, was that a game for Indianapolis and Frank Reich. This is the hottest team in football, and while yes, you know, I chose the Houston Texans to win this game in a tight one because I know these two teams obviously being AFC South rivals. They had already met twice in the regular season. They split that series where the road team actually won by three points in those matchups. And considering Houston's home field advantage that they had over Indianapolis, I just figured that they would be able to sneak away with a tight victory over the Colts. However, Andrew Luck and company, they continue to surge. And I feel like the way they were able to just dispatch The Texans in that good defensive front featuring J.J. Watt and Jadavion Clowney. That offensive line for the Colts is something special. Quentin Nelson, Braden Smith, Anthony Costanzo. Those offensive linemen had themselves a day just dominating the line of scrimmage. And that's what ultimately led the Indianapolis Colts to a victory in 21-7 was the final score. The Colts jumped out to a 21-0 lead at halftime. Now get this, only two teams in NFL history have started 1-5 and gone on to advance in the playoffs. The Colts are winners of five straight games in 10 of their last 11. That only loss coming to the Jacksonville Jaguars in a 6-0 affair. That was played in Florida. Cody Kessler was the starter. But other than that, this has been a flawless football team. Andrew Luck finished going 19 for 32 for 222 yards. Two touchdowns, one interception. Marlon Mack, he had a monster game. 148 yards on 24 carries. Averaging 6.2 every time he touched the ball to go along with the touchdown. And he also became the first 100-yard rusher against that Houston front this season. You look at the pass catchers for Indianapolis. T.Y. Hilton, who has just been a nuisance for the Texans this season, had 5 receptions for 85 yards. While Eric Ebron, the Pro Bowl tight end, three receptions for 26 yards. So a little bit of a quiet game, but he did have a touchdown in that first quarter. Indianapolis, 
They romped to 75 yard scoring drives on their first two possessions and really just established their dominance in rhythm early and often against this Texans team. And by the time Houston knew it, it was too late. The Colts had already created enough separation to take it home. And they were the fourth team in the past 10 playoffs to lead by 21 in the first half while playing on the road. This is according to ESPN stats and information. They were also the fourth team to be perfect on third down, six of six in the first half in the playoffs since 2001. They're the first road team since 1970 to have at least 20 first downs in the first half, according to Elias Sports Bureau. They are the third team in the Super Bowl era with 200 rushing yards, no sacks allowed, and fewer than 10 points allowed in a postseason game. Simply put, playing on the road does not bother the Indianapolis Colts. Now, I've talked a lot about this offense, the offensive line, Andrew Luck, but this defense under Matt Eberflus is the real deal. Deshaun Watson was completely shut down. He finished going 29 of 49 for 235 yards, one touchdown, one interception, was sacked three times. This defense proved that it can stop a team with bona fide weapons. Consider that Houston wideout DeAndre Hopkins, lauded by many as the NFL's best wideout, he finished with just 37 yards on five receptions. So credit Pierre Desir, that long-rangey corner who kept them in check. Now, I know James Palmer discovered after the game that Hopkins played with a grade three AC joint sprain, which I've never had that injury, but by all accounts, it's a very painful injury. But at the same time, the Colts still did their homework and their job in shutting down the Texans' top passing target. And as for Houston's run game, when I talked about this game preview, I mentioned that getting this run game going with Lamar Miller was going to be important for Houston. And that didn't really turn out to be the case as Watson was the Texans' only effective rusher as he called his own number strictly out of necessity due to the pocket collapsing. Tailbacks Lamar Miller, Alfred Blue, and Deontay Foreman combined for just 29 yards on 8 carries. So you know Eberflus, he wanted to come into this game taking away the Texans' run game at all costs, making Watson beat them with his arm. And that's exactly the formula that ended up being a success for the Indianapolis Colts. And then most importantly, Indianapolis, they won on third down. They converted their first six third down attempts. As I just mentioned, three of them came on their first two drives. Luck and Hilton were in sync from the very start. Indianapolis did not go three and out until the second drive of the third quarter. So that speaks volumes about how they have been functioning as a unit. Well-oiled machine. And overall, the Colts converted 9 of 14 third downs. And the Texans, on the other end of the spectrum, they converted just three of their 13 third down attempts. This was just another eye-opening performance by Indianapolis that should have this Kansas City Chiefs team 
very concerned hosting such a team that's coming off momentum. They didn't just beat Houston by a small margin. They completely annihilated them and shut them down on their home turf. So I think there's something to be said about this Colts team now taking the next step in this playoff journey under Frank Reich, who has solidified himself as a potential coach of the year candidate. So Kansas City better watch out and get together a game plan that can at least limit Andrew Luck and what he's able to do through the air. Now the second wild card game of this past weekend was in the NFC, the Seattle Seahawks and the Dallas Cowboys. This was a thriller, not like the Colts-Texans game, but this one was close all the way to the very end. The Seahawks were the five seed, the Cowboys were the four seed, and the Cowboys came out on top 24 to 22 to notch their third playoff win since 1996 as Dak Prescott became the first Dallas quarterback to ever have a rushing and passing touchdown in the same playoff game. Now Dallas is going to face the number two seed Los Angeles Rams on Saturday night at 8.15 p.m. Eastern time. And here's another statistic here for Prescott. At 25 years and 160 days old, he became the youngest quarterback in Cowboys history to start and win a playoff game. Jason Garrett doubled his playoff win total with a gritty come from behind win over Seattle. His playoff record is now two and two, so at 500. Now for the second time in his eight and a half year tenure, the Cowboys will play a second playoff game in the same season. And look, let's remember that this Dallas team they began this season at 3-5 and five and have now won eight of their last nine games. So talk about the Colts being a hot team. The Cowboys are certainly in that same conversation. The Cowboys racked up 380 total yards and held a sizable margin in the time of possession, 34-50 to 25-10 over Seattle. Ezekiel Elliott, once again proved to be the workhorse as he picked up 137 rushing yards and added another 32 yards receiving. But he was joined by Amari Cooper who has co-starred this season by leading the pass catchers with 106 receiving yards. Dak Prescott had an efficient day. He completed 66.7% of his passes for 226 yards with a touchdown and an interception for an 83.6 passer rating. And while, yes, I've talked about Dak Prescott all season long, I think it's safe to say that this guy is up and down, you know, inconsistent at times. He struggles making throws down the field, and he's missed quite a bit of open opportunities for touchdowns. But in crunch time, when the game is on the line, Prescott knows how to come through and help his team get the win. And that was the same sentiment on Saturday night when the Cowboys needed him the most. He was even more impressive, especially running the ball. He finished with 29 rushing yards on six carries to go along with the game-clinching score. In fact, Prescott did get off to a fast start in the pass game as he completed four of five passes on their opening drive for 39 yards, moved the team 
from his own 25-yard line to the Seahawks' 21-yard line before they settled for a field goal. And to pick up their first playoff win in over four years, Dallas just did what they've done a lot this year. They fed Elliott. They gave him the ball. They ran their offense through him. And it's also worth noting that Dallas was without their starting left guard, Xavier Suafilo, who has been battling an ankle sprain. So they threw in the rookie, Connor Williams, who started the 2018 campaign as the starting left guard. But he went out with a knee injury and Suafilo replaced him and had been the starter since due to his high level of play. But you got to give Williams some credit for stepping in, blocking a feisty Seattle defensive front that no doesn't have an interior defense alignment that is at Pro Bowl caliber, but they do have versatile players such as Quentin Jefferson, Jerron Reed, who continues to develop and emerge as a very good young interior defense alignment. Then, of course, Frank Clark, who you heard his name several times. He was a presence in the backfield for Seattle, but Connor Williams, who has been scrutinized for not being able to hold up against the bull rush due to his light weight. Looks like he's added some bulk and he stepped in and filled in admirably for Sua Filo and that's what helped get Ezekiel Elliott going on the ground earlier and often. Now, I think the highlight of the game for this Dallas Cowboys offense was Prescott's run on third and 14. Prescott took off up the middle, avoided the first line of defense and then went head over heels to the one yard line. The next snap, he was in the end zone on a keeper, which gave the Cowboys a two score advantage, 24 to 14, with 208 left in the game. That was just a stellar heads up play there by Prescott that left that Seahawks defense in awe. They were not expecting a quarterback draw on third and 14. They played soft coverage, and Dallas made them pay. And this defense for the Cowboys, they rose to the challenge after a rough couple of games. They knew they were facing the league's top rushing offense who were averaging 160 per contest, but they got nowhere close to that number in Dallas. This defense held Seattle to 73 yards on the ground on 24 carries. And the numbers are actually even uglier than that if you consider that 28 of those yards came on one carry, which means that Seattle gained just 45 yards on their 23 other rushers, which equals out to a 1.96 yards per carry average. Chris Carson, who finished the season with 1,100 plus yards, had nowhere to run at halftime, he just had 16 yards and was only able to tack on four more in the second half. Enough cannot be said about the play of Leighton Vander Esch, the rookie linebacker out of Boise State, the first round pick. He was a strong defensive rookie of the year candidate. He was all over the field as he finished the game with 10 total tackles, did not miss a single one. The entire course of the game and one key part of the Seahawks rushing attack is Russell Wilson and his ability to make plays outside of the pocket, but he was mostly ineffective thanks to a perfectly designed defensive strategy from Rod Marinelli and passing game coordinator Chris Richard, who by the way is being courted by three different teams for their head coaching vacancies. 
and seeing another strong defensive performance against a potent signal caller only helps his cause that much more to land a promotion this offseason. Although Wilson did have an impressive night through the air, 18 of 27, 233 yards, one touchdown. None of his magic was working on third down as the Seahawks went 2 of 13. And for most of the game, the Cowboys had a shadow on Wilson to prevent him from doing any damage up the middle with his legs. And the plan worked because Wilson only accounted for 17 rush yards as this Dallas defense once again put together another vintage performance. Demarcus Lawrence was all over the field. While he didn't necessarily rack up a high number of sacks, he certainly was getting to Russell Wilson. And this Cowboys team will now go to L.A., They're going to go to Hollywood against the Rams team that kind of slumped out there the last month of the season. Jared Goff has struggled, and I'm going to get into these previews for the divisional round on my Friday episode. I'll have NFL defensive tackle Jarrell Worthy join me. We'll get into all the matchups, so I don't want to get ahead of myself now. We're just on Monday, but I'm telling you what, this Dallas team is one to be reckoned with, and I'm not so sure the Rams are excited to see a Cowboys squad that has plenty of fans in L.A. because you can just imagine that they will not have a full home field advantage when the Cowboys enter town on Saturday night. Now the third wild card matchup that I'm going to recap here was the 5 seed Los Angeles Chargers who were a 12-win team, by the way, against the 4 seed Baltimore Ravens who were 10-6. This was a rematch from a couple of weeks ago when the Ravens went into StubHub Center and beat the Chargers, completely shut down Phillip Rivers and that offense. But LA returned the favor on Sunday as they beat them 23-17 and booked their trip to Foxborough for a divisional round date with the number two seed Patriots on Sunday. And in a season defined by historically great quarterback play, a defensive, grinded out, grueling battle played out in Baltimore between two defenses that really rose to the occasion and dictated the entire tempo and outcome of the game. Neither offense could move the ball efficiently or find big plays. And it was Chargers rookie kicker Michael Bagley, a.k.a. the Money Badger, who had a starring role as he finished with five field goals in what helped his team come away with a victory. Both defenses played out of their minds. But it was the Chargers defense that won the day and I think they carried their team to the win despite that late surge there from the Ravens and Lamar Jackson. Let's put it this way. Phillip Rivers who's had an MVP-like season, he went 22 of 32 for just 160 yards, no touchdowns, no interceptions, and an 80.2 passer rating and LA still won the game. The Ravens They held the Chargers to 3.7 yards per play. You're probably thinking, well, Melvin Gordon must have had a productive day on the ground. No, well, he didn't as he finished with just 40 yards on 17 carries. He did get in the end zone on that one-yard rush. And then you look at the Chargers' top two targets in the pass game. Keenan Allen was limited to just four receptions for 37 yards. 
And then his counterpart, Mike Williams, the physical wideout, had two receptions for 42 yards. And of those 42 yards, he caught a pass and I think went for 30-plus yards. So he was basically a non-factor the entire game. So credit Baltimore secondary, Brandon Carr, Jimmy Smith. They played a good game. But that's how incredible this Chargers defense was for most of Sunday's game, considering how ineffective they were offensively. The Chargers, they had 243 yards of offense. Baltimore had 229. And you look at the defense, right? Melvin Ingram, he had a nice outing as he had seven tackles, two tackles for loss, two sacks, and two quarterback hits. You can tell that Ingram was playing with a chip on his shoulder, as was the rest of the Chargers defense, who they were really dominated and hit in the mouth by that Baltimore offensive line and ground attack as Gus Edwards, Lamar Jackson, Kenneth Dixon, those guys had their way in their previous matchup, but you could tell that Ingram, who didn't do much in that last meeting, he wanted to come out and make a statement that he is a Pro Bowl caliber end, and he showed that the Chargers as a unit, they sacked Jackson a total of seven times, forced two fumbles, including Uchenna Unwoso's game-clinching strip sack there on Lamar Jackson to close it out. And conversely, let's talk about how bad the Ravens' offense was from the get-go. They fumbled three times in their first eight plays. They recovered the first two, but the Chargers pounced on the third one, which set up their offense with prime field position and a chance to put the Ravens in an early hole. Now, with that being said, the Chargers couldn't completely capitalize on those mistakes, bogging down near the goal line and ended up settling for field goals in the first half, which they took a 12 to nothing lead into the break. And Lamar Jackson just could not get going. He was struggling. It was his first playoff game, was the youngest quarterback to start a playoff game in the Super Bowl era and the Chargers, though, you got to give them their credit. They did well to limit his openings on the ground as they built that two-score lead. They forced him to throw the ball. And here's one interesting nugget of information that I saw when I was watching the post-game coverage yesterday. The Chargers and Gus Bradley deployed four defense alignment and seven defensive backs on 43 plays, which was 73% of their defensive snaps, to get more speed on the field to defend Jackson's running ability. And this is according to NFL Next Gen Stats. That's incredible there by their defensive coordinator, Gus Bradley, who has warranted some interest from some college programs regarding head coaching vacancies. But then you look at that package, and then they use three defensive linemen, one linebacker, and seven DBs on 15 plays, which was good for 25% of their snaps. And then four defensive linemen, three linebackers, and four DBs on just one play. So this was an unconventional approach by Gus Bradley, and it paid off in a major way. The Chargers, on many occasions, had a lot of safeties on the field. Adrian Phillips, Derwin James, Jaleel Adai, all three of those guys, they were playing close to the line of scrimmage, ensuring that Lamar Jackson was not going to have those rushing lanes that he had in their previous matchup 
but that is a unique wrinkle to throw out there against Marty Morningweg's offense, and it's safe to say that he did not have an answer for that. The Chargers, they clearly were a step ahead of Baltimore on Sunday. They already knew exactly what was coming, and you know, at the end of the day, I talked about Baltimore's offense and how up to that game it had worked because they were implementing so many college plays, read options, RPOs, play-action bootlegs, and it was just a matter of time before a Chargers team that was familiar with those, they understood that, yes, it worked the first time, but Joey Bosa told reporters after the game that they studied film extensively, and Gus Bradley, he decided to use this formula to really discombobulate Lamar Jackson and Morningweg, and on the fly, in the moment, the Ravens were really unable to change course because it's not like they were going to change their offensive game plan in just one game after that plan worked, basically, for as long as Jackson was under center, and so there was really nothing the Ravens could do to make any significant progress against this well-prepared Chargers defense. Jackson was 2 of 8 for 17 yards, an interception, and a 0.0 passer rating, and just rushed for only 31 yards at the end of the first two quarters. Now, Jackson, who was even booed by his home fans, and there was a lot of speculation about maybe Joe Flacco being put in the game just because he's more of a polished quarterback through the air that maybe could have helped spark a comeback. But Jackson did end up doing that as he brought back the Ravens from a 23-3 deficit where they were 53 yards away from winning a game. And I think that's very important and that matters for his future. He finished the game 14-29 for 194 yards, two touchdowns, one pick, and a 78.8 passer rating and total 54 yards on the ground. He wasn't good for a majority of the game, right? But his performance in the final minutes, that's encouraging for the Ravens. And remember, he's a developmental rookie quarterback. He's going to improve. And if this was Jackson at his worst, imagine what he'll be like at his best in the coming years. Look, guys, I mean, I know this guy was taking a lot of heat. People were shredding him. A lot of Ravens fans were frustrated that Flacco, who is an MVP Super Bowl, was sitting on the bench. But this is a guy that went 6-2 as a starter where one came against Kansas City in overtime and of course the second one came against the Chargers that ended their season on Sunday. But they rode the momentum with Jackson to get there. And I think John Harbaugh at the end of the day, he made the right decision by sticking with Jackson because he proved there at the end that hey, he had it in him to get this Ravens offense going where they needed. Now of course, Unfortunately for Ravens fans, too little too late as the Chargers had really given themselves a large enough gap to close out the victory, but I think this Ravens team has a bright future ahead. They want to keep Harbaugh long term, but you got to give credit to Anthony Lynn for getting this Chargers team ready. Phillip Rivers, he continued to battle with what he had on offense. Their defense was exceptional and sensational. They're going to look to carry over that magic to Foxborough now as they'll take on the New England Patriots who, you know, Bill Belichick, Josh McDaniels, those guys have had that extra week to rest their players, to watch film on this Chargers team. So that should be a clash of the Titans 
for the AFC Divisional Round. And to close out Wild Card Weekend, the final matchup was a stunner on Sunday afternoon. The six-seed Philadelphia Eagles did it again on the road at Soldier Field against the 12-4 Chicago Bears who were favored to win the game by many. There's a lot of talk about how Philadelphia was not going to be able to move the ball against Khalil Mack and their impressive stout defense that Vic Vangio had coached up to a caliber of dominance this year. But the Nick Foles magic continued on Sunday and it left the Chicago fan base speechless after how this game ended Philadelphia hung on for a 16 to 15 victory as they'll now advance to a divisional round playoff game at New Orleans which is a rematch from week 11 in the regular season where they were trounced 48 to 7 by Sean Payton and Drew Brees but now the Eagles They have their sights set on becoming just the ninth team in the Super Bowl era to repeat as champions. That goal is alive and well. Nick Foles was not ready to call it quits. And unfortunately, the Bears kicking woes with Cody Parkey weren't either. This game was just very puzzling and a very odd game to watch just on the game flow alone the Bears, they outgained the Eagles 356 to 300. They won the turnover battle 2 to nothing, but they still lost the game. And get this home teams that were plus two in the playoffs for turnover margin within the last 40 years were 112 and 4 in those games and so you figured the favors was in the Bears corner but even at that the Eagles were still able to fly away with the victory in what was just a stunning affair of events there in the Windy City. Both teams combined for just 107 rushing yards Chicago had 65 of those, while Philadelphia had just 42 yards on the ground. I just cannot put it into words how bizarre these stat lines are. You look at Philly on offense, Alshon Jeffrey. He was the Eagles' leading wideout with six receptions for 82 yards against his former team. And of course, he took in a chorus of boos every time he touched the ball. Allen Robinson led the way for Chicago as he put up monster numbers, 10 receptions for 143 yards and a touchdown. And it's hard to think of a better backup than Nick Foles. I mean, the seventh-year quarterback, he proved yet again that he can fill in as the starter when he led the Eagles to a Super Bowl win last season, was the MVP. It was the perfect ending to a season and even worthy enough to become a movie in the coming years. That's just how magical it was last year. But Philadelphia now here in 2019, they still have a long road to Super Bowl 53 as now they're going to face the Saints. But Foles showed again a Saint Nick, as they call him Philly, that he still has it. The it factor, the Eagles, they're playing as the hungry dogs, which is something that they lost 
mid-season where Doug Peterson was facing scrutiny, was facing heat from the media as to why they had dropped off so much from just a season removed from winning the Super Bowl, but now they have regained that order of business, and all of a sudden, they are not a team that you want to be lining up against on the gridiron. The Eagles, they were down five points with just less than five minutes to play when Foles led them 60 yards into the end zone. He found wideout Golden Tate, who was acquired earlier this season in a trade, and seemingly hushed any talk of that deal not being worth it as Tate Capped off the drive with a touchdown reception late in the ball game. Foles finished 25 of 40 for 266 yards, two touchdowns, two interceptions, while Tate tallied five catches for 46 yards and the score. Now, I want to talk about this Eagles offensive line as they've now faced Aaron Donald, J.J. Watt, and Khalil Mack during this four-game winning streak leading up to the postseason and currently in the postseason. And those three players who are the three best defensive players in the NFL have combined for zero sacks and just three quarterback hits on Nick Foles. So the job for this Philadelphia offensive line should be praised and noticed and recognized because they have completely made these three players non-factors and have given Foles the time to survey the field, go through his progressions, which is what led to this playoff run for a second consecutive season. And as for Mitchell Trubisky, the Chicago Bears quarterback, the 2017 number two overall pick, he had himself a good game. I mean, I know Chicago, they were sluggish out of the gates, as were the Eagles, And it's difficult for anyone to face a team that has won five of its last six games. But when Trubisky lined up on the field, he made some throws that were very impressive and nearly ousted the defending champions. He completed 26 of his 43 passes for 303 yards and one touchdown. And a lackluster first half that saw field goal after field goal while each team struggled to hit that next gear. Trubisky finally got his offense turned around after he found Robinson for a 22-yard strike in the end zone. And let's also recognize that Trubisky, he racked up his most yards since beating Tampa Bay in late September, then charged down the field trailing by one point. And he ended up giving Cody Parkey A 43-yard field goal attempt to win the game. But Parkey, who had missed 10 total kicks prior to the potential game-winning attempt, missed it. The ball not only hit one upright, which is all too familiar for Bears fans, right? But it also hit the crossbar and then bounced to the ground. And it was later determined, based off video evidence, that that ball was tipped as well. So... You kind of can't put all the blame on Parkey as somebody on that special teams unit of the Bears did not do their job allowing a Philly defender to get his fingertips on the ball, which clearly changed the trajectory of the ball. But to make matters worse, Parkey was 11 of 12 on fourth quarter attempts before missing that one on Sunday evening. And it was just a gut-wrenching loss for such a promising Bears team that really 
had defied all odds. NFL experts did not think the Bears were going to reach seven or eight wins this year under first-year head coach Matt Nagy, but they did that and more. Their season comes to an end, but the Eagles, who sacked Trubisky twice, this defense that's battled injuries, they were led by a mix of young and old defenders, including second-year corner Rasul Douglas, who had eight tackles, and veterans Nigel Bradham, who had seven, Corey Graham had five tackles, and Avante Maddox, the rookie corner who stepped up in a big way, along with Craven LeBlanc, who they picked up mid-season. Jalen Mills and, and Rodney McLeod were lost for the year. Corey Graham, the veteran, has stepped in. No Ronald Darby. So this Eagles team... While they limped into the playoffs, Nick Foles, this offense, and the Super Bowl hype has clearly followed them up to this point, and they'll look to continue this magical quest in New Orleans on Sunday. But that was a game to watch and just a thriller for the Eagles and a heartbreaker for the Bears. Well, that's the recap there for Wild Card Weekend. I wanted to get in and just break down these matchups and the formulas that these winning teams use to advance to the next round. I'm going to have the divisional round preview, as I said earlier in the show, with Jarrell Worthy on Friday. So I'm going to save that for, for then. But for now, I just wanted to get into those matchups. So I thank you for taking the time to join me on this Monday. I will be back here on Wednesday. For another episode, maybe I'll get into the coaching carousel, break down some of these head coaches, what's the latest buzz and rumors from around the NFL, all that here on the Pro Football Chase podcast. But until then, have a blessed rest of the day and God bless. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.